0: while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. RGT85, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for making
1: time for this. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I've uh, been watching your stuff for a long time, so it's cool to finally link up.
0: Oh, cool. Well, yeah, I was, I was wondering where... I, well, I have a lot of questions about your channel, about gaming in general, and this is going to be extremely nerdy for anybody who uh, who came here for gaming content. You're going to be happy. But uh, I was wondering about that. Where do you come from as far as, like, you know, the music side of things?
1: Um, I listen to pretty much everything but um, country, like, I just, uh, 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 like, Jolene by Dolly Parton, that's that's an okay country song. Okay. But, like, yep. you know, like, literally, like, my playlist would be, like, Children of Bodom, 3-6 Mafia, Michael Bolton, Acacia Strain, Michael Jackson, Noel. Like, I'm just, I'm all over the place. I love just all sorts of music.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I always thought you, you look like an Acacia Strain kind of guy.
1: I actually met, um, Vincent at a video game expo and, uh, he bought, I have a, I wrote a book about a, an obscure video game console cause I was just bored and he bought a bunch of them as Christmas gifts. So I was like, Thank The
0: you. 32X one?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, but not surprised that he would buy that.
1: He was actually with, he goes to this convention sometimes. I don't, I don't think he went this year, but, um, it's a store called forgotten freshness and he like helps them like sell stuff. And that's where we linked up. And like, he gave me one of his hats. He was doing, um, he had a Dale Gribble hat that he was with a bounty hunter on it that he was, um, selling online. He was like, yeah, you can have it. I was like, Oh, cool. Here's a t-shirt.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, you're from Connecticut, right? Yeah. So not, not too far away from their neck of the woods. Well, I got to start with something spicy, um, to keep people paying attention here. So, sure. uh, let me I want to know what you think about this. In my personal opinion, one of the most annoying aspects of gaming is Nintendo fanboys. The kind of people who think the company can do no wrong and insist that the GameCube was actually good. It was not. Sorry. <laughs> but as somebody who covers Nintendo a lot, what's your take on the sort of, you know, Nintendo bias?
1: Yeah, it, when when I do my little joke or I say I'm not a Nintendo YouTuber that's not a joke like I I genuinely mean that because I'm even friends with a lot of people that are quote-unquote Nintendo YouTubers and you could clearly see the bias in when they're talking about something and you know everything is always good nothing is ever bad no mistakes are ever made and that drives me crazy like I've been covering Nintendo stuff Really, I started inadvertently back in 2012. As far as online stuff is concerned, I just kind of fell into the Nintendo side of things. So I've been around it for a while, but I've never been like a brown noser to them or anything like it, it, But really, I mean, it extends to all fanboys. There's PlayStation fanboys. Yeah. There's there's Xbox fanboys. There's PC fanboys. Anyone who's a fanboy of just one dedicated thing. Like, that's weird, especially when we're, like, grown-ass men and women. <laughs> like, like right. okay. Like, I, I feel like I, I'm hopeful that some of these people online or like personas and you know, they're just putting on a show, but sometimes I question it.
0: And really quickly, I also wanted to mention my Patreon. If you like what I do on YouTube and everywhere else, joining my Patreon really helps me do this full time and worry less about videos getting demonetized by YouTube or copyright claimed by labels. Patrons get all my podcasts and main channel videos early. There are members only channels in my discord that I'm super active in. I also do giveaways. For example, I've been giving away a lot of emos, not dead merch and you can also have me review your music artwork or anything else all you need to do is join my patreon at the 10 dollars level and then every month i do a call for submissions if you want me to review something just drop it in the comments of that post and then i will review it live on twitch so if any of that sounds cool to you hit the link in the description of this video and i appreciate your support with nintendo it's kind of weird because like nintendo's not um they're not a a, a cool like nice company like they're kind of they're they they're very you know they they squeeze their users for every penny they possibly can they're kind of behind on anything related to online you know the e-shop is a disaster now i think they make like easily the best first party games of all time nobody's better at character design than they are and like nintendo does a lot of things right but it's just weird that people let them off the hook on all the shady or sort of irritating things that they do.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's there's been a, a ton of stuff, you know, all throughout history. The it used to be, you know, it, it, people people don't understand this when the when the Nintendo Switch launched back in 2017 you couldn't review a first party Nintendo game and on YouTube and show more than 10 seconds of a clip without right. a Nintendo copy. Like they're, they're archaic and some of that stuff. And I mean, it's yeah. really just a lot of it is the old guard Japanese mentality. They are a Japanese right. company through and through whereas other it's been companies, around for
0: like 130 years
1: yeah like people say well what about nintendo of america they do nothing they're a marketing right. company they translate some games occasionally and that's it that, that's all they're right. that's all they do all decisions come from the nintendo of japan for better or worse
0: and they shut down any kind of like you know trans fan translations or rom hacks and just so they're just so hostile to the same people that simp for them you know, it kind of I mean simping is the right word to me for the way that Nintendo fans are with the company.
1: No, there's definitely a lot that that do simp. I with the whole Super Mario 3D All-Stars thing where they released a game for 6 months and then after <laughs> those 6 months they removed it from the shop. They they stopped selling physical copies. Physical copies now are in the triple digits. So if you didn't happen to own a Switch during that time frame and buy the game during that time frame, you're just kind of screwed. And people were like, oh no, that's a that's a good thing. That's a good I'm like, no, it's it's not a good thing. What is wrong with you? Right. Like nothing about this is good. We we sit there and bitch and moan when like various storefronts go down, like when you know the PS3 online front, the the, Wii U's online front, the three ds three DS is online front. You literally cannot buy those games and give the companies money. So like, what what are you what are you saying? Like, you should be allowed to experience those games however you want to. I don't know. It's, it's it's bizarre to me.
0: Well, the Nintendo overlords decided uh, otherwise. Well, I'm sure you've talked about it before, um, but I guess for some reason I've never seen it, even though I've watched probably hundreds of your videos now. How exactly did you end up as a YouTuber?
1: So I got into. Um, Back in uh, 2012, I had a friend who was working for a website and um, he was like getting these video games all the time for free. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, oh, I write for this website. I was like, you get free stuff if you do it. He's like, yeah, they send me like review copies. And I'm like, yeah, I want in on it. He was like, can you write? And I was like. I don't know. We'll find out. i mean, I know how to
0: use a keyboard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so um they gave me a trial run. They ended up liking me. Um, I was the only person on the website that had a 3DS and was buying a Wii U. So by even though I had I had a PlayStation 3 at that time, um, and I had a 360 as well, and I really didn't play a lot of Nintendo stuff during that time frame, besides the handhelds. I was I was always big into like the DS and the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um but by default that's what they were like well they were like well you have a 3ds so you're gonna review 3ds games and then you know the wii u are you gonna buy that i was like yeah and they were like well you're gonna review wii u stuff for the site i was like okay so i did that for a while we Oof, got a-
0: that's a rough one yeah
1: it, it <laughs> was um and it gets worse. So I did that for a while. And then we all kind of went our separate ways. And I was like, well, you know, I don't want to quit writing. Like it was fun. I liked getting free games and stuff. That was pretty cool. So I ended up joining a website called Nintendo Enthusiast um, started at the bottom. They were like, Ugh. I was like, yeah, I'll I'll take this over one day. I'm a very headstrong person. And so I noticed they had a YouTube channel and um had like a thousand subscribers on it. I was like, wow, a thousand subscribers. And they were like, I was like, hey, yeah. I want to make videos on this. And they were like, do you know how to make videos? I was like, not really. I was like, "But well, I'll figure it out. Don't, don't worry about it. And so I believe it was 2014. I made my first video for that website on a 480p webcam in my bedroom with the only light being a lamp. I edited uh. it with Windows Movie Maker because that's all I could figure out. And then that was it. We ended up uh, that that YouTube channel ended up doing well. Another guy came along who was making like real high quality production stuff, like literally at the same time. Like he had like a three thousand dollar camera. He had light boxes, lapel mics. He was filming at a store in Canada. So everything looked great. And then there's my piddly video. So I ended up was like. How am I gonna stand out from him? Cause like I hated him at the time. We obviously became friends. So like I hate him I would, too.
0: Fuck that guy.
1: Yeah. Like I would I was I, I called up some of my friends who were um dancers, I guess I should say. And I was like, yo, I need some sex appeal in these videos. So I would just have like <laughs> random chicks. Wait, what,
0: what kind of dancers? Like jazz, ballet, no, classic. Strippers,
1: strippers, strippers. Oh, um, oh
0: exotic. T- okay. Yeah, exotic. I
1: so I would have them like show up in the videos and stuff. And like those videos would always get good view, so i could sort of match right. him but sort of as time went on um you know that was continually building i ended up going from peon to editor-in-chief of that website but the money wasn't really there like there was hardly right. any money and i was just doing it out of passion and i was like shit man this is tough because i was still you know working a full-time job and trying to manage and run this website so i ended up starting my own side channel just as like right just to dick around and do random stuff. And then once that started to make like good money, I was like, well, I need to focus on this. So I ended up leaving the website and that website ended up getting gobbled up by a destructoid. So, okay, yeah, they're not even around anymore.
0: So when did this become like your full-time job?
1: Um, I went to a convention in 2017. Actually, I was living in North Carolina at the time. And so I came up here. Uh, to connecticut and did a convention in connecticut um and i realized i was like shit man i really want to do this full time like the money was getting there it wasn't quite there yet though but i was like i'm gonna try it and so from i believe that convention was in october from october till the rest of the year like all i did was just like work come home make a video go to sleep rinse and repeat and like I just put all my focus into it. Um, I saved up a bunch of money. And then in February of 2018, I moved away from North Carolina. I rented an apartment that I found on Craigslist in Wilmington, Delaware, which I had never been to in my life. I just wanted to be kind of closer to the Northeast. Um, Yeah. And so just sight unseen, I I packed up a U-Haul truck and me and my dad drove up here and like that was it. I was like, well. You know, if, if I fail, that's okay. You know, I've got money saved up. At least I gave it a try, but thankfully I didn't fail.
0: Well, there's a lot there that I think people can learn from. Like number one, just the fact that, you know, you didn't know how to make videos when you started making videos and there's like so many people to get stuck in this sort of phase of perpetually like researching and like, well, I'm going to start making videos as soon as I learn this. And as soon as I it's like, dude, just... You just got to fucking do it. Start making videos. And they're probably going to be shit at first. But the only way to get better at making videos is making videos.
1: And I'm still not good at making videos. Like, I don't think I, I am either. I used Windows Movie Maker until like 2017. Like, I wouldn't. And <laughs> right. the, only, the only reason I, I ended up switching programs was because I found like a, a freaking cracked version <laughs> online that I downloaded <laughs> off of torrent. But then I ended up giving you money. Shout out to yeah. CyberLink PowerDirector. But like, that's just what I, you know, everyone uses Vegas and all this stuff. I'm just like, no, this is what I learned on. This is how I figured out stuff. So, I mean, there's
0: people with a million subscribers that still use iMovie.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's people that use these phones to record. I just sold a lot of my collection to a, a channel that he gets. I mean, he doesn't have as many subscribers as me, but he gets like way better views per video than I do. And he just busted out a phone because he came up here to my house to, to pick up everything. I was like, you film with a phone. He was like, yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah.
0: The the other thing that stood out to me is you talked about like at the time you had a day job, was this when you were still working at GameStop or was that?
1: No game. GameStop was only like a nine month gig for me. Okay. Um, I was a certified pharmacy technician. Most of my adult life, which it was weird because like when I was a kid, I definitely did my fair share of pharmaceuticals, but like <laughs> when I, when I, when There's I turned one for 18,
0: you, one for me. Yeah.
1: Well, no, like, like before that. Um, yeah, yeah. um, but like when I turned 18, my mom was like, you need to get a, a decent job. Cause like I had done little piddly jobs. And so she got me a, a job at a Eckerd pharmacy, which ended up becoming Rite Aid. And I was just a a pharmacy cashier and like a month into the gig, they were like, do you want to be a pharmacy technician? I was like, no, they're like, why? I was like, seems like a lot of responsibility. They're like, Oh, you get more money. I was like, well, sign me up. So (laughs) I just kind of fell into that. And like, I just, I just did that for a very long, like 11 plus years.
0: But you were still coming home every day for months or years and grinding out a video no matter what.
1: Yeah. I mean, it got to the point of where like, I started to like, My I ended up leaving like the chain pharmacies and went to an independent pharmacy. And it was funny. They were a very Christian uh, based family pharmacy, like family owned and ran. And I just I I I corrupted some of those people there Um, (laughs) inadvertently. But it just ended up happening. But they were very cool and they understood like that this was not the end game for me that I wanted to do more. So like they would work around my schedule, you know, I would be like, Hey, you know, it's slow. Can I get on the computer and see if anything's happening right now? So I can sort of formulate something as I went home. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, cool. You know, just if something happens, we need you just come over here. So they were, they were very, they were very cool and helpful in allowing me to potentially pursue greater things than that.
0: But that consistency of nights and weekends, even when there's no real traction there, I think, is something that people can learn from. You know, you might have to do that for months or even years. And it really, it sucks putting out a video that gets 150 views. Like that, at least for me, just when I was doing that, made me feel like, what the fuck am I even doing? Like, I'm a loser. This is never going to work. But I kept doing it anyway because that's just what you got to do sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you kind of got to look at things in perspective, like, you know, there's a million people doing what you're trying to do, and there's a million people trying to have the same sort of success as others are. So, you know... you could be, you know, there's there's channels out there that are way more talented than me that make way better videos than me, but they just don't get the same amount of views and stuff as me. And like, why is that? I don't know. Like, I, I believe I mean, YouTube- consistency
0: is such a fucking huge part of this that people, you know, there's lots of people that go hard on something and they make a video every day for two weeks. And then it's like, oh, this came up or that came up or I'm tired and then they stop and then they don't come back for two weeks. And it's like, well, that's not how this works.
1: Right. Right. And you have to there's a bit of luck involved, too. I always tell people, for sure. like, I, I, I don't know. I got lucky. Like, you know, like I said, there's a million channels doing the same sort of stuff that I do. And for whatever reason, you know, there's just never takes off. But I mean, the whole thing about YouTube is you can't really go into it looking at it like I'm going to make this a business because nine right. times out of ten, that's going to leave you flat on your ass and broke. Like you have to have fun with it, do it as a hobby. And if it starts to become a business, then you look at it as a business. Then you can start to sort of, you know, figure things out beyond that. But, you know, for, for most people that will never happen, but that's okay. Like, yeah, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. This
0: When I started it, I was just like if I got 5 or 10,000 views a video, like that'd be awesome. I would be totally happy with that. And it ended up being much more than that, but I never intended for this to really make any real money. That wasn't my goal. I just wanted to see if I could get a few thousand people to watch every one of my videos.
1: Right, like that that was me too. Like I would I was hoping it would happen, but I didn't expect it to happen. My in my mind, what my master plan was was to take the website money, still work on the website, do my side channel, and then hopefully combine those two to make, you know, a livable wage. Which at that time, I didn't need much money. Like my rent was seven hundred dollars. Most of the time, my landlord wouldn't charge me it because there'd be something fucked up with the house, and she wouldn't fix it because I don't. Know, I guess she couldn't afford to fix it or something like that. Like literally, North Carolina summers. The air conditioner broke. And I'm like, hey, fix this air conditioner. She's like, I'll send someone out. I come home. Nothing's been done. I was like, did you send someone out? It's like, oh, yeah, 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 I did. I, they must have messed up. So one time I set up a trap around the air conditioner unit outside uh-huh. that it would have activated if somebody came there. And so I came home. The trap wasn't activated. I called their i was like did you fix the air conditioner did somebody send somebody out she said, yeah, yeah yeah i was like no you didn't i know you like, didn't bitch why are you lying to me and she was like just don't pay me right this month and i was like all right cool <laughs> so i bought a I'm little trapped. portable air conditioner and i would just carry it around from really it was fucking ghetto as shit dude but i mean hey i didn't care it was like i'm trying to chase this dream i mean that's that's like the the level
0: of grind that anybody has to have if you want to. like you said there's Literally a million people that are trying to do this, whether it's YouTube or TikTok or playing music or whatever it is, like you gotta just be resourceful and be willing to eat shit for a while. Yep. That's just how it is. So you had a lot more retro gaming content in the beginning. You do still some of that, but you've kind of switched to covering more like news and current events and stuff like that. Um why why'd you kind of
1: make that pivot? I got kind of bored with it um but it's funny because I feel like everything comes back full circle because I literally yesterday just put up I have a second channel that was just it has no direction whatsoever but I try to it's pretty much where I go live um and just stream for a little bit but I decided that I wanted to give it a little bit direction and I have a friend who does some editing for me and so I've actually started doing retro, not really reviews, just more conversations about specific games because I can just turn on the camera for, you know, 10 plus minutes, talk about a game and send it to him and he edits the whole thing for me. So I don't have to worry about it, but I I don't know. Like I I enjoyed it. And then I felt like I got to a point of where, you know, I wasn't really, super happy anymore with it i wanted to to do some other stuff as well and so i kind of pivoted to that and i mean honestly once things started taking off with that in terms of views in terms of revenue and stuff i was like well you know gotta stick with this <laughs> this is what yeah making me you know money but i always i always loved the retro stuff it was just i don't know the the, the retro gaming community is very strange a lot of them
0: <laughs> tell and me like tell me more
1: well, like, the, first off, they don't like me. They don't like most uh-huh. people. They um, don't
0: like anything, from what I can tell.
1: Not really. Um, <laughs> I I had a, a final straw with them. Um, I actually made a video about this. And, like, back in, like, January of this year. And I was on a... Just scrolling through Facebook. And, like, I, over the years, I had been added to all these retro gaming groups. Somebody posted a picture... A father posted a picture of his two sons playing a video game and they were playing on a, a clone console on an HD television. And he was like, Oh, I'm so proud of my boys playing these old games. All the comments were, why aren't they playing on original hardware? Why, why isn't this a is CRT you piece yet? of shit? And I was like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding? Like those kind of people I cannot stand. Yeah. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Who cares? It's about the right. game. So like, there's just so many weird gatekeepers. I made a video about, um, a couple months ago, I made a video. Just I was like, I want to talk about some Sega Saturn games. I talked about some Sega Saturn games. Somebody who was a fan of mine posted it in a group. Once again, I'm just scrolling through Facebook, and I see the post. I look at all the comments. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This guy's doing it for the algorithm. Yeah, motherfucker. I'm doing Sega Saturn content <laughs> right. for the YouTube algorithm, because that's what all the kids are looking for. Get like,
0: rich off Saturn coverage.
1: Like It, it was just... It was, it was nuts to me. And it's like, you know, all these communities are kind of like that, but the retro community I think is worse because at least with a lot of the, the other communities, you got a lot of kids, you got a lot of kids, like Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox. These are all like 40 plus year old men just sitting around (laughs) bitching because you you made a video about the Sega fucking Saturn. Like, dude, come on. So just a lot of toxicity. I mean, I don't, look at I don't let bo- stuff like that bother me I just kind of laugh at it but it's like you know people wonder why you know people act the way they do it's because it's fucking idiots like you
0: yeah yeah it's it's weird I don't even feel like those people really like games if that makes sense
1: no because if you like games you wouldn't care how people are experiencing them and especially right. when it comes to like emulators and stuff I don't understand why people don't understand that emulators can make your experience better better and it can make sure. the games look better and you could do things that you can't do on original hardware i have no problem with people who want to play on original hardware on a crt tv there's nothing wrong with that i did it for years but i got to a point where i was like i want to get rid of some of this stuff yeah. you know emulation you know i want to explore this more and it's a it's a beautiful world man it's a beautiful well, world
0: i do think this is a, i do believe in my heart of hearts if you play retro games on an emulator without a CRT shader, you're a piece of shit.
1: Oh, dude. I I I do. I increase the internal resolution of them. I'm playing friggin PS2 games with like 4K textures. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> look at these Sega Saturn games. Oh, these look gorgeous. I don't care anymore. I, I just give me the cleanest, sharpest image you can get. Oh my I love God. It. No, dude, gotta duck- have a CRT shader. Have you ever played a duck station? For the PlayStation no. one. Duck Station is amazing. It's the best. I saw your video about it, right? Dude. Yeah, dude. Dude. Once you go duck station, you're just like, wow, I want to see what other game. That's that's the problem. That's the that's the addictive aspect that I'm finding with these emulation systems. Cause I'll think of a game and be like, wow, I wonder what that looks like. Like I was recording, I got a hard drive that I'm actually two hard drives, but one of the hard drives I filmed, um I recorded some footage of. And I was just playing like random PS2 games and like old Sega arcade games. And just like looking, I'm like, holy oh, these games still look amazing. Like yeah, they still they look so good when you increase the resolution of these textures. Like I am I am a fiend for that stuff now. I love it.
0: My version of that is fiddling with all the nerdy little settings and the CRT shaders, like I'll show my wife. I'm like Look, this is the slot mask one, and this is, you know, the aperture grill. Don't you think the slot mask looks better? And she's like, right, "Please stop."
1: <laughs> I, 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 if it's on, like this, this one hard drive I have, it seems like all the sixteen bit stuff has the CRT filled, like sixteen bit and below has that on there. So I'm just like, okay, you know that that works for me. But like anything like thirty two bit and up, like I want to, I yeah, want to yeah, see, I want to see, see what I can do. I want to see what it'll do. And usually the results are crazy absolutely crazy and
0: and stuff like save states makes it better like because a lot of those older games are just fucking brutal or they have like you know weird difficulty spikes or whatever that you know you couldn't save for three hours before some horrible boss fight and all that kind of stuff and it's just a lot of little quality of life improvements or fast forward or whatever that actually can be better than the original experience
1: yeah. And I mean, that's, a, it's 100% true. But in the same breath, if people don't want that sort of stuff and they just want to play on original stuff, that's fine. Totally. I hope you, I hope you can afford it because it's, it it's fucking crazy out there. The game prices and system prices, it's insane.
0: It's wild, man. I'm like, speaking of Saturn, I remember, um, do, I don't remember if they had in your neck of the woods, did they have Babbage's back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I remember when Babbage's was like, going out of business, I think, this was, like, late 90s, I got a bunch of import Saturn games there for $5 each, like Pocket Fighter, and, like, these are good games, Darkstalkers and, like, the D&D one, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you look at those now, and those are, like, you know, $100 games, and just, like, man, those are great games, but paying a 100 bucks for Pocket Fighter on Saturn, like,
1: or download it and play it on an em- emulator like eh. that's that's the thing like when i sold my stuff i kept some stuff like stuff that i could look at and like have a memory of or something but like i can't really reach them but like some of the saturn stuff like house of the dead on the sega saturn the u.s version is an 800 game complete in box and it's like it's not even a good version like it's fun it's a nostalgic right. version of the game but it's pretty shitty in terms of how it looks. Like Saturn stuff is just is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Just a lot of even when I was pricing a lot of my retro stuff to sell it. Even Sega Genesis stuff has gotten absurd. Like just just normal Genesis stuff. It's like, oh, this game's worth $80. I'm like, why? Why is it? You could play a Sega Genesis
0: smash TV or something
1: on anything. You could buy the stupid Genesis mini like. And hack it. Like, I don't understand. Like, why? I don't get it.
0: Well, let's talk about that. So you recently sold not your entire game collection, but the vast majority of it, which was like thousands and thousands of games, a lot of really cool stuff. Um, And that was interesting to me because I got rid of all my stuff years ago, all my games, all my vinyl, everything. And I kind of never really looked back. I'm glad I got rid of it. But a lot of people, you know, whether it's music or games, they tend to be... Like really into physical media, how do you think about that? And like, why did you decide to get rid of it?
1: Contrary to popular belief, I just wanted the space. A lot of people thought it was because I had a health issue back in January. It's like, oh, he needs money. So I was like, no, I'm. I they set me up on a payment plan. I'm, I'm good to go. But I just wanted the space, and like so much of that stuff was just hidden away. You know, I had to store it. In, in the little arcade room that I have. And so I never got to like look at it or play it or anything. And I was just sitting there looking and I was like, I hardly touch any of these retro games. They literally just sit there on the shelf. Why why, why do I have all of them? So my philosophy was I want to get rid of the stuff that I can't have an individual for for the most part that I can't have an individual memory of, you know, if I have an individual memory of this game, growing up, then I want to keep it. And so I went through all my stuff. I started pricing it and it was it was just getting out of control. So I had a couple suitors and I was like, look, I'm on price charting. This is just the games. I haven't gotten into the totes, which have more games. I haven't gotten into the consoles. This is how much the games are worth right now. Make me an offer on this. If I like it, I'll take it and I'll stop inventorying if I don't like your offer, I'm going to continue to inventory and the price is going to go up. And thankfully uh, Phoenix resale, a guy named Caleb, he made me an offer that I really liked and I was like, okay, cool. But yeah, it was just, and I'm so glad I did it. I play so many more retro games now because of emulation, because I don't have to dig out a system and and set it up. I built, built. Um, I used to have one of these bookshelves was over here. I got a little wall here. So I was like, "Well, what am I going to do with this space? So I put um, I mounted a TV on the wall. I put a desk here and like this is my emulation station. I bought another chair like this and I just I have a mini PC down there with my emulators and I just play stuff on there. If I need something a little bit more like a PS3 or a Wii U game and the mini PC struggling, the TV back there has a computer hooked up to it. So I can just play whatever like it's so much easier for me to experience games and play them now. And like, I'm so glad I did it. Like, I'm so glad that I got rid of most of that stuff, because I mean, even the the thing is like, I'm not getting enjoyment. I'm not playing it. It's just sitting there. You know, maybe somebody a tote will that you can't even see. Right. Like now that it's in possession of someone who literally sells video games, that's all he does. He's a Phoenix resale. He goes to conventions. He sells stuff. He sells it on Amazon. Now somebody can buy that that really wants it, that really wants Mm -hmm. to experience that game and actually play it. So, you know, yeah, I have have no regrets about it whatsoever. You
0: know, what I've been getting a lot of enjoyment out of is, uh, have you ever heard of bitmap books? Yes. Yeah. So I buy all their stuff. Like I just got... um, uh, a copy of uh, they have a book about PC engine cover art mm-hmm. and like to me that's just as good as having the games you know because if I want to play the game I can
1: right. but
0: having that book with all the artwork and somebody writing it up and a few screenshots and stuff like I get just as much of enjoyment out of reading that book as I would having that game on my shelf
1: yeah it's just I mean I don't know it just it was it was almost overwhelming the amount of stuff I had and like, I don't have like like,
0: a a whole like house full of shit. Basically, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, and the thing of it was, was like, I never did it because I was like, I'm a video game collector. I did it out of necessity because I just wanted to play these games. And as time went on, it grew and grew and grew. And it just, it just got out of control, but it got to a point of where it was like, you know, I, I can't, what what do I do with all this stuff? Like when I moved, I had a I, I hired movers. I was just like, I'm not moving yeah. all this shit when I bought my ha- place. So, um, they were just like, Why do you have so much stuff? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, do you play all this stuff? I was like, No, not really. <laughs> so it was like, Well, let's get rid of. it. I was like, I don't know. But I mean, it's 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 funny though because although I shifted away from that, like collecting video games, like toys, all of a sudden started becoming a thing. I've been uh-huh. collecting um game pros and egms from back in the day like i granted it's a lot cheaper to do stuff like that but yeah i mean i think collecting is always kind of in my blood a little bit um but yeah like it was just it was time to move on and i'm glad that i did because if anything i'm playing more games now than i was before well i think it makes
0: a little bit more sense to collect magazines because I mean, I suppose there are, you can get PDFs of some of those, but, um, but a lot of them you can't, there's no other way to experience that other than to buy it. Whereas with the game, you know, emulation is an option.
1: Right. And that's kind of like what I view the toys and stuff. People are like, well, what do you buy the toys? When I was a little kid, my friends had like five or six of the X-Men figures. I was lucky to have one, you know? Right. Right. Ninja Turtles, I had none because my grandma was like, no, Ninja Turtles are evil. And I was like, okay, Ghostbusters, <laughs> I had none because my grandma satanic. was like, oh, evil, satanic, yeah. And now she comes over and I'm like, look, Grandma, I got I got the <laughs> Turtles, I got the Ghostbusters. Can't take oh. it away from me now. Yeah. But it's like a toy, like, even, okay, like this, this Batman thing here, like, yeah, you can look at a picture of it, but there's just something about, like, holding it in your hand, like, looking at the figure itself. And, yeah. you know, you, you don't get that. Like, you could say, oh, well, it's like holding a video game box, but, I mean, you still have to play the video game. With the toy, you're you're getting the intended use out of it, seeing the toy, being able to, you know, potentially articulate it. So, I don't know. I guess it's kind of similar, but kind of different.
0: I did keep some of my uh, old consoles. For example, uh, I just happened to have this one. I got my uh, old modded nice. PS1. What do I have a copy of in here? Let's see. I have a copy of a uh, burned copy of uh Fist of the North Star. Okay. Or PS1 in there. Uh just kind of lying around, but still have, have the a consoles,
1: co- but I still have a couple um consoles. I have a an NES, a PS3, a Wii U I kept. Um I kept an Xbox 360 as well. I kept the Sega Saturn. I still have one cuz I had two of those. Um Oh, I have a Sega... I say this like I don't have anything. I have a boxed uh, Sega Genesis Model 2 as well. That was like the same one I had gotten when I was like a little kid. Not the exact same one, but a repurchased one. And I believe that's all I kept. There's so many
0: things that I bought as an adult because I wanted them when I was a kid and I couldn't have it. Like, I had three Turbo Duos at one point because I wanted one so bad when I was a kid um and you know back then there were like 400 bucks or something which was totally out of the question and i was like you know what i can get one of these now for 70 bucks fuck it i'm buying all of them
1: yeah that's that's kind of what a lot of my especially recently that's a lot of what my adult life has been like shit that i wanted as a kid right that, I, <laughs> that my parents were just like no because we didn't have much money and i was like well now i got some money i'm gonna buy it it's gonna be an investment
0: be be the the adult child did you ever have that rich friend that had like the GI Joe playset like the uh what's the fucking the aircraft carrier and like did you ever have that rich friend
1: so i had i had a, a hood rich cousin and i had a, a rich friend the hood rich cousin it, it was single mom which was my aunt three kids little stinky apartment however every time i'd go <laughs> over there the 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 Ghostbusters playset had that. The GI Joe stuff had that. Um, Michael Jackson's Bad vinyl had that. Uh-huh. Uh, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo had that. And I never understood oh, it. I never understood it. And one th- one time I asked my mom, I was like, "How does he have all this stuff?" And she was like, "The government." And I was like, "What? That doesn't make sense." <laughs> and then when I became older, oh, his mom was using the government cheese to buy that stuff. But then I had this other kid named Michael. And I remember going to his house when I was like a kid, he lived for, he had, his house was like on a fucking lake. And uh, he was like, you ever heard of virtual racer? I was like, yeah, it's an arcade game. And he was like, I've got the Genesis version. It's a hundred dollars. And I was like, Whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. When, when virtual racer came out on the Sega Genesis, it was a hundred dollars because Sega had put the SVP chip in it and fantasy
0: star was like 120 bucks or some fantasy star four was like yeah.
1: outrageously expensive so i remember playing it and i was like this is so cool he had that in bill walsh college football i don't know why i remember that and i remember going home like mom i need this She was like hundred dollars <laughs> no. and i never got it
0: well speaking of uh, fantasy star you don't seem to be a big rpg guy
1: is that is that right I mean, one of, this is one of my favorite Dreamcast games. I actually have it handy. Grandia 2. Oh, yeah. I'm just very particular about RPGs because they're kind of a time stink. And yeah. like, if you don't, I feel like if I don't love it, I'm not going to sink the time into it. Like Final Fantasy 7 Remake. I loved it. I, I mm-hmm. played it. I, I beat it. It was it was great. Um, Shining Force 3. I love that game on the Sega Saturn. Um, Grand Stream Saga on the PlayStation one. There's a lot of RPGs that I like. It's just with like modern ones. I'm not going to because it's kind of like. If I'm going to play a game, you like you have to sort of budget your time because playing games technically is work. So if I could play two or three games and cover them in the span that I can play one RPG, that's like Final Fantasy 16. Do I want to play it? Yes, I do am I going to buy it right now? No. Why? Because if I start playing it right now and make a video on it in a week or two, it's, it's, you know, it's not going to get the views. Yeah. It's old news. The industry is always moving. So it's like, well, at this point I might as well wait for a sale and then just chip away at it as, as it comes along. So I I do like them. I just, you know, there's not enough hours in the day, but it's definitely not my favorite genre, but there's, there's tons of ones that I like from it.
0: And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. One of the coolest things for me was, I guess, it was probably starting like 20 years ago or so, which is horrifying for me to say, but when people started translating a lot of the old Japanese games, doing the fan translations and stuff, and like, you know, all these games that I remember drooling over in like Game Fan Magazine back in the day, you know, that never came out here, started to get these translations and like that to me was like one of the most magical things. It's like oh, I can finally play this game that I saw in the magazines years ago.
1: Yeah, see, I I don't know. I just, that I I would see stuff like that, but it never really hit with me because like I played um, on the Genesis I, I really liked Landstalker, which is kind of more of an action RPG. I did like uh, Fantasy Star uh, 4 I remember getting mm-hmm. that. Uh, Renting that, and then like PlayStation, I had an N sixty four, so I had Quest sixty four. Like I had nothing on there, but my best friend had a PlayStation one, so we would rent games. You know, we would go halves on games because I was always over at his house. He lived right down the street um, from me. So like Brigandine, Suikoden, Star Ocean, Final Fantasy seven, like we played all those games sort of together, and like so that's how I kind of got my RPG fix, kind of back in the day.
0: Yeah, I mean, the PS1 was incredible for RPGs. Like, I would say still for, like, that kind of, like, classic JRPG, I would still say the PS1 probably has the best library.
1: That's why they're remaking a lot of those games from that era. Right. Because, you know, they they still hold up very well.
0: I mean, how many fucking times have we done Tactics Ogre?
1: Right.
0: There's, like, what, four different versions of it, maybe?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, like, they're doing... That's- um. Like the worst kept secret is that they're doing a Final Fantasy Tactics remake. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh I didn't
0: one. actually know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been heavily rumored. They did that Diofield Chronicle game, which is actually pretty good. I played that. Um uh and people were like, Well, this is just tactics kind of, just a little bit right. faster. But yeah, that I think it was from an NVIDIA leak where Final Fantasy Tactics remake was on there. But oh, I mean, that's right. But, you know, they're just they're digging. A lot of these companies are and like, that's a whole conversation for another day. It's like even when you look at what the best reviewed games are for this year, at least thus far, most of them are older games that have just been remade right. and remastered. So, like, why is that? I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why is quality reasons. So it's very interesting.
0: Well, you also you know what games have stood the test of time. You know, it's easy to say, oh, older games are better. Okay, we'll go back to the games that came out in 1998. There's like 10 amazing all-time classics that everyone agrees are great. And then there was like literally 800 pieces of just total garbage that nobody remembers. So, you know, why not go back and cherry pick the ones that ended up being good and keep squeezing money out of that?
1: I mean, and it's it's development costs of video games now are just atrocious to the point of where if you're not selling multiple millions of copies at launch, your studio could get shut down no matter what size you are. You sell a
0: million and a half copies of a game and it's like, eh, kind of a fail.
1: Yeah. Like it's crazy how development costs and development times have just gotten so astronomical. So companies are looking at their back catalog of stuff like some of the most exciting things for me at the Nintendo direct (laughs) were old games i was like fuck metal the metal gear solid master collection yes batman arkham trilogy the games that i've played a million times on a million platforms i get to play again yes like what's old is new again and of course you have the whole side of things where it's like you know we're not exactly spring chickens so there's a whole generation of people that have never played these games probably so
0: right yeah, and the design, you know, when you remake re- a game, the design part is mostly done for you. So yeah. that saves a huge chunk of the cost. Of course, you know, the art, I would imagine, is probably the bigger part of it. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because it's a lot of the same thing as we see with movies, is everything's a reboot or a sequel. And it's not that they're bad, but I do miss the days where there was like new IP coming out all the time. And, you know, that was cool to just sort of dive into a new world, you know, every month.
1: I think the PS2, PS3 era was like the last era of real crazy innovation where even AAA companies could just go completely outside the box and like try yeah. something different and maybe it would work and maybe it didn't. But like nowadays, there's just way too much risk. You got, you know, shareholders and stuff. These are publicly traded companies. So the industry has has shifted and changed a lot. And I don't necessarily think it's it's for the better either um, right I think at some point in the near future there's going to be a crash it won't be on the level of the 83 crash which right. was kind of embellished anyways like it was really that was really just a USA thing like uh, the weird computers and stuff were still good in like the UK and Japan the Commodore right. and the MSX but I think you are because you got the you got these rising budgets you got games that have to you know meet a st- certain uh, status, uh, a quota, I should say, um, in terms of sales in order to be deemed successful or else you'll get axed, you'll get shut down. Yeah. And development times, you know, now we're being told that five to six years is the standard time for a AAA game. You go back to like 98, like this, this was crazy. You go back to like 1995, 96, open up a GamePro magazine. You have coverage of the following systems. Sega Genesis, Sega Game Gear, Sega 32X, Sega CD, Sega Saturn. Five systems from one company. You have the PlayStation 1. You have the Super Nintendo, which is on its way out. You have rumors of the N64. You have the Game Boy. You have the Virtual Boy. You have the Neo Geo. You have the 3DO. You have the Atari Jaguar. You have the Atari Link. It was crazy, and these companies were just like, "Here's a game, here's a game, here's a game, here's a game." They had to make supplement. EGM had to make a supplemental magazine just to cover all the games in one month. They had to make EGM squared. It was it was insane. It was insane. And then nowadays, it's like you get you know five or six big AAA blockbuster games a year, and that's about it. Elder Scrolls six coming out in eight years. Well, that's like, did you see um, Perfect Dark? Uh, The rumor is. Like, perfect dark is like three years away still. And it's right. like, you announced that like fucking two, three years ago. What the what? Why did you do that? Right. Like, what is
0: like, I, maybe we shouldn't be making games that cost $200 million
1: in six years to create. It's just, it's what's. And then you have Nintendo, just like the weirdo trying to put like a square peg in a circular hole, but somehow making it fucking work. They're like, it yeah, works. Yeah, it works. Like Super Mario RPG and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I think those games look, look great. And I've never played Super Mario RPG because I don't have a Super Nintendo growing up. And I don't know. I just never felt like revisiting that game. So, like, I'm super stoked on that.
0: Or well, like it's Animal just, Crossing. Like, what did that sell? Like, 50 million copies
1: or something? That was that was, they got. So, I mean, I think the game would have sold well. But it that pandemic helped right, it right. so much. Like, that was just. Insane, and like that's you know the video the retro video game market was starting to slow down a little bit, but that pandemic fucked everything up. Everything yeah. skyrocketed in price during the peak because people were stuck at home and they wanted something to do, and they're like, "Well, let me just be a little kid again," and you know, get. I think an, an I 64. paid like
0: four hundred bucks or something for a switch then because I was just like, "Yeah, fuck it, that's how much yeah. they cost." Okay, fine.
1: See yeah, what option. It was, it was it was crazy, dude. It was crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean well, these these budgets are just insane. Speaking
0: of uh, Nintendo, I wanted to ask you about the eShop because my wife and I—it's like kind of a little hobby of ours—to look through the eShop and just basically be stunned at all the trash on there. Like, there's a game called Hentai Girls and a sequel mm-hmm. called Hentai World. There's some other game where you have to like steal panties or whatever from like girls, you know, around the subway stations. Like, what is going on over there?
1: There's no quality control. It's it's very easy to get a um setup as a developer on the system and just put whatever on there and for better or worse, you know, as the the requirements to get on there, it's not game quality. It's you know, can we open up the instructions if you have instructions embedded in the game? <laughs> like it does it's this stuff boot. like that. Yeah. Pretty basically pretty much. And then they're just allowed to go on there. That's why um you see so many asset flips on there. There's tons of yeah. asset flips or you know, people just buy something in unity, some custom, you know, uh, graphics, and then they just asset flip and put it on the switch and yeah. like charge a couple dollars for it. But yeah, there's it's disgusting. I hate the eShop. It moves so slow. It's like. Oh, it yeah. feels like your switch is about to explode. Like yeah. they need to, they need to <laughs> like make using it
0: some Android phone from, you know, 2009.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so crazy They need to do something to, to spruce that up. But, you know, you also have to get to this point of complacency where it's like, oh, we sold 130 million of these fucking things. You know, yeah. What, why would they try harder? Why, why, why am I going to, why am I going to change things up here? This is working fine. So, you know, to catch 22. It's just a very
0: un-Nintendo-like thing to me because they put so much polish and attention into like every detail of their own games and they want so much control over everything and that's what makes Nintendo great but then they sort of let the eShop be this like dumpster fire full of garbage and
1: like basically softcore porn games. Well, the crazy thing is they this may shock people but they actually used to have a a great storefront with the Wii and the Wii U, the Wii and the yeah, Wii U did. storefronts were fucking amazing. And then you had all these different games that you could buy all these retro games that you could buy. You weren't tied into Virtual in. it was console
0: some- was amazing.
1: I so wish they'd bring that big. back. Remember, remember the um, like the games on the Wii that Konami did with Contra Rebirth, Castlevania Rebirth, mm-hmm. where they were like soft reboot remakes of, of other castle of older games. Like so awesome. Of course, once again, how are you going to play those games? In 2023, unless you had them on your Wii U, you can't buy them. You don't. Emulation. Yeah. Emulation yep. steps up.
0: But wasn't um wasn't Mega Man 9 originally only yes. for uh, Wii? Yes. Which was kind of the the rebirth of these sort of you know retro style games mm-hmm. that ended up just becoming everywhere in the indie world.
1: There's just there were so many games on the Wii, and then the Wii U, you had you could buy um Wii games on the Wii U's eShop. You could buy Nintendo DS games. Can I do that mm-hmm. on the Switch? No, like, well, they're not it's, available. It's bizarre. It's it's, but it, God forbid you pirate a DS game. Nintendo is gonna right. be <laughs> knocking on your fucking door. And my my answer is always this: You don't give me the option to pay you so that you the developer and creator of this game makes money on this game right it's all a secondary market what the fuck do you care what do you care if you if you care so much put the
0: fucking games on there it's like how hard could it be you did it before well i have been excited to see that they added uh gba to nintendo online because i feel like the gba really doesn't get you know, the love that it deserves. And I think it's like it's easily one of the best libraries of all time. Like the Castlevania games, incredible, the Metroid games, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. I loved. I know a lot of people didn't. Mega Man Battle Network, Golden Sun. Um, when are we gonna get justice for the GBA?
1: I don't know. I mean, the GBA was I mean, I remember we would go to um Arby's in high school, we would skip second period because Arby's had a a smoking section in there. We were all cool kids who smoked cigarettes. And um, wow, they would open at at, um, 11 a.m. And we would go, we would wait, and they would open up. And we would just go sit down and play GBA. And they already knew what our order was, because we literally went there every day. And they would just like bring it to us and stuff. You could just smoke cigarettes and play Game Boy Advance in there. It was a great (laughs) fucking time. But no, I mean, I think one of the things is just like, you know, there were so much crazy stuff happening with console games at that time as far as evolution is concerned. And the I, the jump between Game Boy Color and G- Game Boy Advance, you know, it was good, but it wasn't like super pronounced, especially when the, the Game Boy Advance was touted as like this 32 bit system. Yet you rarely saw games that you would be like, Oh, well, this would be like a, a PlayStation One game. We were this still is more kind of-
0: like a Super Nintendo.
1: Right, we were still kind of in that infancy of of 3D graphics, like being the standard, and I think that's kind of what made the GBA when it was uh, out, when it first came out, feel a little bit dated because it didn't, you know, it. There were some games. There was like X versus Sever, and there was a port of Doom, and there was a port of Duke Nukem, yeah. and Simpsons Road Rage. The, the
0: 3D like was kind of a. It felt like a hack.
1: Right, it wasn't, you know. I think the 3D on the on the DS was you know, instrumentally better. Fine. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, so I feel like that's kind of why, because in retrospect, people love that system, but I feel like at the time it was just kind of like, but I mean, it didn't matter because it said Nintendo on it and it was a handheld. Yeah. So you bought it.
0: The library is so fucking good though, man. Yeah. There's so many great GBA games. I think another thing that hurt it was the first version of the hardware was awful because it wasn't backlit. Yes. So like you literally had to shine like a fucking spotlight on it to even be
1: able to see. It wasn't even front lit. It had no lit. No. And then they and then they did the SP, which had a front light. And then they did the revised SP, which had the backlight. And then they did the micro. I remember the Game <laughs> Boy micro came out um, and the Nintendo representative, because I was working at GameStop at that time. She gave everyone in the store that was working that day a free Game Boy Micro and was like, wear it around your neck for promotional purposes. I was like, shit, thank you. I will gladly wear this Game Boy Micro.
0: Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. I feel like I don't hear people talk about the GBA with the same kind of love that they do the N64 or even GameCube and like, objectively, the 64 and GameCube, other than the Nintendo first party games, like the library is a little bit Dodgy, whereas GBA is just full of great shit.
1: I'm I'm gonna stick up, okay, when it comes to N64 <laughs> and GameCube. You got Goldeneye, which was the best home console first person shooter, revolutionized yes. home console first person shooters. Yep. The the THQ wrestling games, insane. Mario, fun. also great. Paper Mario. I mean, there was some decent third party stuff on the N64, but the GameCube, I mean you had a lot of ports of stuff, but then you also had stuff like uh, Twin Snakes. Like Twin Snakes was super yeah. dope. Um, but but people are
0: trying to tell me that Luigi's Mansion is a classic. I mean, come on, this is an example of the Nintendo distortion field. Like we're saying, Luigi's Mansion is like a classic. That's what we're doing now. Pikmin. I, would, I mean, come on.
1: No, see, I, I'm not a Pikmin guy. I I don't understand Pikmin. I don't I don't get why people love it. I think Luigi's Mansion was was. Cool, but I don't think it's it's like one of the like uh dark uh, the um, what the hell is the name of the, the switch one? The switch one was way better, like, way better. I don't know that one. Um, the switch, Luigi's Mansion is it's actually really fucking good. Um, I want but Waluigi's if, Mansion, yeah, I will, that I want more Waluigi and Wario games that are not fucking stupid mini game, the, the Wario wear stuff. I played. What did I play? Wario World on the GameCube um, for this review that I'm working on, and I upscaled the fuck out of it. And I was like, "This game's amazing! This game is so much fun! Like you're actually punching things and like throwing people and stuff as Wario. Like this is cool. Why is this not a series?" But I want to. Wa-
0: Here's what we need: Nintendo Waluigi Hentai Visual Novel on the eShop. It'll sell. It's like it's like a hentai harem game starring Waluigi.
1: It would sell. It would sell like crazy. <laughs> I'd
0: I'd be first in line. Um, you mentioned the the PS4 kind of being, you know, the end of that era of sort of experimentation, and um, the PS5. I feel like I feel like the PS5 generation like hasn't started. You know what yeah. I mean? It's because like everything still comes out on PS4 and like. The PS5 is just like a version of PS4 that loads faster.
1: Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's it, uh, every single game, and even games that only came out on the PlayStation 5, turnal and uh, Ratchet and Clank, you're gonna tell me you couldn't have dumbed those down for the PS4? You told me Ratchet and Clank needed the power of the SSD, but yet somehow. Right. Some way you ported it to PC where you don't need an SSD. Like, come the fuck on man. man. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I feel like this generation has been a fucking waste of absolute time. The most yeah. next gen experience that I've gotten is with the fucking PlayStation VR 2 and Gran Turismo 7. That is out of this fucking world. However, that is an extremely niche thing. And they've yeah. already forgotten about the PSVR 2 because I haven't right. touched that fucking thing. In weeks, so like, yeah, it's just it's been, you know, I guess Starfield will kind of be a bit of a litmus test when it, when it comes out. Um, is that going to be a PS5
0: exclusive?
1: No, it's an Xbox Series X exclusive.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, right. This generation, though, at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's not; it won't be on the Xbox One. So you know, that'll be pretty good. Spider-Man Two is an X as a PlayStation Five exclusive. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how they sort of expanded upon things but like I don't know like I I almost feel bad for like kids growing up nowadays because while you're getting like visually appealing experiences right out of the gate like they don't get to see like the evolution of right. video games they don't get to feel the jump from console to console people just buy these consoles because they just they want to have the latest and greatest thing with fomo keeping up with the joneses whatever the case may be i bought a ps5
0: so that my wife could play genshin impact with faster loading times
1: (laughs) i i I bought it literally why i just bought it because i was like i need to make a video (laughs) it's like i need this day one i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna play on it but i need it same thing with the xbox um series like
0: that feeling of like playing a ps2 for the first time and you're just like holy
1: shit yeah the generational gaps like going from the 16-bit era to you know look at super mario world to super mario 64 like what the fuck going from you know the original super mario brothers to sonic the hedgehog what the fuck like yeah you had these huge leaps and it was always a thing I remember um when I was working at GameStop, the Xbox 360 had just come out. And like that was kind of when we were getting a little bit of um diminishing returns. Yeah. But there was still like like you could put on a sports game or a racing game and it definitely would shine through because you're running it via component cables. You're not using right, right, right. you know, because that those were the first systems that had component cables and then eventually HDMI as standard. So you still had that that gap, but then it's like I don't know. I it, you just don't have that same sort of technological excitement anymore with any of this stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why uh I'm going to give my son a Game Boy, OG Game Boy. He's going to start there. I'll I'll just buy him all the consoles in order so he's not going to get a PS5 for another like 25 years. So I hope he's
1: ready. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's the way to do it. And but, you know, build character too to play those games, you know drives in the back seat having to figure out the light because, God forbid, you drive with the light on. That used to fucking drive me nuts. I try to put a little he, back seat light on. Dad would be like, turn it off. I'm like, what, what the <laughs> fuck? I was just bothering you. It's just giving you more light to see. Turn it off. Like, All
0: right. <laughs> He's got to suffer through Jaws and Friday the 13th on NES before he gets uh,
1: PS5. I low-key like Friday the 13th. I don't think it's as bad as people make it out jaws can fucking burn in hell but Friday the 13th had cool ideas yeah like, I
0: don't know that I would choose to play it but it had cool
1: ideas good music really good music but yeah there I mean there's a ton of, of games to grow up on and become hardened person to suffer through <laughs> cool well uh I appreciate
0: your time I will let you go um but uh thanks again for doing this and I will uh I'll catch you on YouTube
1: Bowie. i don't think it overstates things to say that the beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment
0: and culture of our time a secular religion if you will with their universal
1: appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives i'm robert rodriguez host of something about the beatles with every episode i speak with historians musicians artists and Beatle witnesses all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known i hope you'll join me and listen to something about the beatles now on evergreen and wherever you get your
0: podcasts